It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome in. Stinkin' Truth Podcast alongside of Mike Evans. I am Mark Schlereth. Scott the Hub producing the show. Millennial Ben helping us out as well. And I tell you what, week one of the NFL season, I don't know about you, but for me, it did not disappoint. There is no question. So many great things went on. So many great things to talk about. Uh, speaking of great things, want to uh, thank our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Sweet Sweat, uh, for all your exercise needs, your supplement needs, your your just needs in general. Check them out at SweetSweat.com. Use them all the time. Took their bands with me on the road so I could continue to work out as I am trying to lose weight in there. Help me you out are. in that. Yeah, I've lost 20 pounds in about the last six, uh, six seven weeks, so i um, on my way to fitness, so I appreciate the folks at Sweet Sweat. Also want to uh, thank uh, another presenting sponsor. That's a great folks at Superbook, and we'll be back on on Thursday with Superbook. Um, Jake Cornegay, uh, who will uh, help us make picks, and um, and we'll review our picks from um, from last week as well on uh, on Thursday. So uh, thank you to all the folks over at Superbook. Mike, how are you? How was the weekend for you? I'm great. I, I right away. I'm just I'm fascinated because you know most of, all of us we watched the games this this weekend, but you were in a stadium. You were calling a game for Fox. You were calling Seattle at Atlanta. And I'm just curious, what was the in-game environment, atmosphere like? Well, you know, I I mean, uh, let me just kind of walk you through um, kind of a story time with Stink, right? So, you know, I get to the stadium like like you normally get to the stadium several hours early. And obviously, you know, as you walk in, I think I got there almost three, two and a half, three hours early. So you walk in, you set up your booth, you know, you get going just like normal. Um, And normally at that time, you know, the fans aren't in the building yet, right? So there was nothing eerie or weird about that, Mike. Then I went down and I can't get all the way. They won't let you on the field anymore. Normally I have a pass to be on the field. I'm walking on the field. I'm talking to coaches. So it's always one of those great times for me pregame to where I can talk to, you know, Three or four, I can talk to both head coaches again. I've already talked to them. But usually what I do is I use that time to talk to the coaches I didn't talk to. So guys I know, maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a wide receiver coach or an O-line coach or, you know, one of the linebacker coach or whatever the case may be. Um, I usually find um, two or three players that, you know, that I'm, that I know that I'm friends with that, that I can talk to about just kind of where they are and what's going on. And then usually I get to talk to both general managers. And um, and they'll give you some good information about kind of where they are as a football team, guys that are developing, especially the young guys that they've drafted that they're excited about and things of that nature. So I couldn't do that. I walked down as close as I could get. They call it the pit. And they've got kind of a an area for some of the working press, the photographers and some other people. So I get down to the pit, but I really can't talk to anybody from there. So I'm just kind of watching and watching them warm up and stuff. So that was the only oddity for me. When the game kicked off, now, first off, there is a constant noise in the stadium. It's about a, and each home team gets to decide the decibel level. So it could be 65, it could be 70, it can be no more than 75. And, and both of the coaches um, that I talked to, both Pete Carroll and uh, Dan Quinn, complained about the fact that it's not, it's not, you know, it's not 
terribly. Like it, it's it doesn't hurt you. It just is annoying because there is no ebb and flow. There's a constant noise. So you go down to the sideline and there's a TV timeout. You still have to talk over the noise, right? So there's none of that that goes on. But when you put the earphones on, I'm hearing the the simulated crowd noise from each stadium that I would normally hear kind of during the game through our truck because that's what they're broadcasting to America. So the cool thing for me, Mike, is when the game kicked off and the players started to compete, I never even noticed that there weren't fans in the stands. Interesting. I mean, it was guys were literally trying to decapitate one another. It was freaking awesome. I mean, I am watching one of the great players we have in this league in Jamal Adams fly around and dispense justice. I mean, he was he was all over the place. Pete Carroll told me pregame, he said, listen, even if he doesn't play, if he goes first off, what he has meant to us from just a character standpoint, from a energy standpoint, from an ability standpoint, from just a a um, attention to detail, intelligence, football intelligence standpoint, he goes, he has made us a much better team if he never takes a snap for us. And he goes, and he's going to take a hell of a lot of snaps for us. Like, he was so excited. And they unleashed him. They completely kind of left the context of what you know as Seattle's defense and, I mean, when have you ever seen Seattle just constantly blitzing a safety all over the place? It just was never part of what they did. They played that buzz cover three. You know, they played the standard match cover three. That's what they did. And they just were going to, you know, play it better than you and take things away. All of a sudden, you break the huddle. You better damn, you damn well better find out where number 33 is lined up because he's coming. I love what you're describing and I and, and I'm really encouraged by the fact that both you and the players just went out and 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 it felt like a game because watching I was really encouraged. I was one that when this whole thing started up again with sports, I thought, you know what? There'll be a novelty to the idea of playing sports without fans, but fans will quickly get over it and it'll be kind of like this sucks, right? Right. But I give credit to the NBA, to the NHL, even Major League Baseball. They have created, at least for those of us watching on TV, it really doesn't seem that off to me. Right. And watching football all weekend, and you got a chance to get back to watch the games on Monday night, I, I didn't really feel the TV product was that, that different than what I normally watch on a regular Sunday or Monday night. And I'm I'm really encouraged by that. Now, I know some fans were quick to speak up and go, nope, this felt this felt lame, this felt weird, this felt dumb, it felt like I was watching a practice. I don't know. I, I think those people are in the minority. I do too, and I think a lot of those people feel like uh, you know, they're gonna they're gonna squeeze us out. They're not. They're losing billions of dollars yeah, by not you having out. you. They want you they want you in the stands. Uh, listen, the product on the field to me, calling the game, Mike, I completely forgot while I was calling the game that there were no fans in the stands. And last night, as I was watching Monday Night Football, I completely forgot there were no fans in the stands. Now, occasionally, you know, they're kicking an extra point or a field goal, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right, there's no fans in the stands. But the intensity of the players, listen, you're competing, man. That's what you're doing. 
you're locked up mano a mano. And the thing I love about football is if you're not ready to play, you're getting your ass kicked. And you know what? For a player, when you get your ass kicked, you know what it does? It You know, you sit there. You sit there and you're like, all 31 other teams. My teammates are going to see this and all 31 other teams. I cannot tell you. I, I can't tell you how many times I've walked back to the huddle and said to one of my teammates, oh, shit, that is going to look bad on film. Like, we're um, Tommy Nalen, all pro, all everything center for the Denver Broncos. He was great, ring of famer. Um, Tommy Nalen, we're playing the Carolina Panthers, and they run this game. And I, I can't even – Lathan, I think, was the linebacker's name. Big, thick, just strong edge guy and so he's coming down like to pick me and I snap him because I know something's coming back around so I snap him and I'm trying to snap him across Tommy Nalen's face and he I snap him right into Tommy Nalen's ear hole and Tommy Nalen goes ass over tea kettle they both fall down like they don't get to the quarterback they're just both stumbling like I just sent him like 100 miles an hour faster right through the ear hole of Tommy and, you know, it's just like it's just a, a mass of humanity rolling around on the field, right? And uh, uh, and uh, Tommy just gets up, and we back in the huddle, and he's like, oh, shit. I just got my, you know, I just got run. I just got trucked. And I was like, dude, that's my fault. I'm sorry. And he go, you know, I broke a cardinal rule. And, and he's like, what cardinal rule? And I go, you're supposed to feed guys through the mouth, not the ear hole. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, it's just yeah. one of those things that happens yeah. occasionally, right? And and but you're thinking about what just happened to me and and how bad that's going to look on film. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten my ass kicked. Just I mean, painfully got my ass kicked. And I'm back in the huddle kind of limping back in the huddle going, "Shit. Like we got to watch that tomorrow. You know how bad that's going to look on like and every well, team in the league is going to see it." That you know, they could be playing yeah, exactly. With with no fans, no noise, nothing. But yet that competitive drive, that, oh. that that fear of failure, that need to impress, whatever. Mike, that guys. ball that ball was kicked off and dudes were hunting. Yeah, they were. And I, I will tell you this, this is the other thing. You know, for seven months we have been completely thrown off as a country, right? As a world. Forget country, as the world. Um and I felt like talking to the players, you know, there's quarantine and then there's Zoom meetings and there's, you know, social distancing and there's not getting together. And, and, and I mean, it's just on and on and on and on. No preseason games, you know, practice is different. Everything is different. Our locker rooms are separated. Da, 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 da. It, it really, truly felt to me, having talked to the coaches and the players, that Sunday was the first normal day of their lives. Mm. That's what it felt like. Like, oh, thank God. Something normal. And when we strapped it on and we kicked it off, man, it was something. And I thought it I, I just thought it played out great. All right. All right. Let's let's do what's normal after a, a full weekend of games. Let's talk about some of these games. Uh-huh. And um I, I think the first thing that jumps out at me is Boy, did Aaron Rodgers send a message? Oh my goodness! Uh, right? You want to you want to draft my replacement? Right? You want to talk about like I'm in decline? My best days are behind me. 
But how much is how much of that, Mike? Though seriously, how much of that is because we heard it in the in the off season? Aaron Rodgers looked great in camp. He's really worked on his footwork. He's really worked on some things. Like how much is that? Like, hey, we drafted this guy, and Aaron Rodgers said, "Uh oh, I took notice," and still and, gotta go out though and prove it in the well, games. I, I, well, that's but what I'm saying is that that it made him focus more. Yeah, like I, I think Aaron Rodgers is so good that Aaron yeah. Rodgers can roll out of bed and hang 300 on you and complete 70 percent of his passes and not throw you know throw three touchdowns and no picks. That's how good he is. But he started looking at his footwork because he went back to his like MVP seasons. Does he have one or two MVP seasons? Whatever it was, he went back to his MVP season and studied his footwork and said, "Man, I picked up some things that you know what I've let I've let slide." So maybe that move by obviously you're drafting the potential replacement, but at the same time you're drafting motivation, and that was a motivating factor. And um, and certainly Aaron Rodgers, after, I mean, what he did on the road, 32 of 44, 72% mm. completion percentage, 73%, 364 yards, four TDs, no interceptions, no sacks. I mean, like, let's put everybody on notice now, uh, NFC North. Well, it just, it goes to show that even Hall of Famers need some motivation, you know, need to be doubted, need mm-hmm. that chip. Nobody's used that chip better over the last 20 years than, than Tom Brady. <laughs> After just one week, guess what? Yeah. He probably has that chip back because people are writing Tom Brady off after week one. What was the what was the one I saw? TB12? More like TB112. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I get it. Listen, the New Orleans Saints are a damn good football team. Damn good football team. You see the, uh, the shade that uh, Cam Jordan threw after the game? No. He's, what do you say? On Cam, you know, the, the great defensive, yeah. all pro defensive end for the uh, New Orleans Saints. He goes, huh, that was just like playing in Tampa. No fans in the stands. <laughs> like, I, I still look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the talent that they've amassed, with Tom Brady at the helm. I still think that they are going to be formidable. They're a playoff team that that was a poor performance, to, to say the least, to start. But let me tell you, I went back and I went back and watched that tape. Dude, that defense, those the two Saints, yeah. Oh no, I'm I'm talking oh, about Tampa. Tampa, yeah. That defense is going to yeah. give them a lot of opportunities with the football. Yeah. That that young defensive backfield, those two young, uh, those two linebackers, Levante David and Devin White. I mean, Devin White has got a rocket up his ass. <laughs> That dude is all over the freaking. It's like they are gonna be. They are gonna be good. I, you know, there are so many people that cannot wait to write Tom Brady's yeah. obituary. They just hate Tom Brady. They hate the Patriots. They hate Tom Brady. They hate anything to do with Tom Brady. Now they hate Tampa Bay because Tom Brady went there, right? I mean, no. What did Tampa Bay do to anybody yeah. ever? They've never. I mean, they won one championship, but what? Like, come on, you hate Tom Brady. I get that you hate Tom Brady. But um, I, for one, will not write his obituary. No, you can't. That that's going to be can't. a good team. No, too many too many people have made that mistake for too many years. And yes, the end will come eventually. But mm-hmm. I got to see a lot bigger sample size before I 
you know, start writing my obituary for Tom Brady. Yes. No, a lot more, a lot more. Now, okay, so we're giving Tom Brady the benefit of the doubt that this is, there's still time for Tom Brady to be Tom Brady. What about the Cowboys? Because there's, there's a tendency for, for me and a lot of other people to look at that first game and say, all right, same old Cowboys, you know? I mean, you, you go out on the road, high-profile game. You know, this is a chance to really show that, this is the this is our time. This is the year we break through. Instead, you know, you're kind of left going, hmm. Kind of same old Cowboys, right? Here's what I think about the Cowboys, and I've been very consistent on this for a very, very long time. Okay, when Jerry Jones wasn't getting enough shine because Jimmy Johnson was running the organization on the football side, and he fired Jimmy Johnson, and then they won with Barry Switzer, woohoo, because they were that talented. I have been very, very consistent on my stance with the Dallas Cowboys. And as long as that organization is run by the grand poobah of all things football and the grand poobah of all things football, which is Jerry Jones, can circumvent the authority of everybody else in the organization, you're never going to be – your structure's not right. But didn't you get the – didn't you think, though, they might be different with a coach the – with the background of a McCarthy, that dude, he wouldn't give authority to Bill Parcells. So how he, much does McCarthy really have? Undercut Bill Parcells. He he he. I mean, he circumvented the authority in front of the team of Bill Parcells. He ain't giving the complete and total autonomy to run the organization to to Mike McCarthy. It's not happening. It's it's Jerry Jones's team. He's going to let you know. And I've said it, their, their organizational structure is wrong. It, one thing you and I always talk about is, is we as players may not often be, you know, you may not be the most educated, right? You may not have, like, that, that part is probably true in, in many cases. But the bottom line is, one thing players have, they've got great horse sense. And they have great understanding of who's authentic, who isn't, Who's in control? Who isn't? And the other thing players will do is they'll test you. Right? They will. Hey, man, they'll test you. Why do you think New England Patriots coaches have had such a hard time leaving the Patriots' nest when they get hired as head coaches? Because all the players look at them and go, okay, I'm going to see how authentic you are. And as soon as you utter... Well, back in the Patriot way, we're like we're gonna do it this way because we did it that way, and you know, and as soon as you throw a Belichickism out, or as soon as you try to be, you know, Mister Hardass or whatever, players go, okay, here we go, little Bill Junior, and they turn you out, they tune you out. I mean, it's just, it, I don't know. It's well, speaking of the OG, uh huh, Bill Belichick. Oh my gosh. They're not gonna do it again, are they? Are yes. they just are they going to win the division? Are they just gonna transition from Brady to Cam and just continue to be the Patriots? Or yeah, they're gonna continue was, to be. Was the, Newton you know what's the most that impressive to you? Well, can you give Newton the ball fifteen times for seventy-five yards every game? I don't know that that's a doable situation. But the most Patriots thing about that, Mike. Okay, here's the most Patriots thing about that is I've always said this about the Patriots. The beauty of the Patriots is their system is they don't have a system. 
their system is, what are you not good at? That's what we're going to (laughs) do. And they do it so well because they do such a good job of developing players and they do such a good job of understanding what your weaknesses are and making you play to those weaknesses. And so this is the most Patriot thing in the world. Oh, we got a different style of quarterback? All right, we'll play this way. You remember when Tom Brady was suspended in the first two games, it was Jimmy Garoppolo, and they won those two games. And then the third game, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, and they finished with Jacoby Brissett, and they won that game. And then they came back out with Jacoby Brissett and ran a completely different offense that nobody had ever seen before. And they won that game, and they went 4-0 during the suspension. Like, I think that was what they three did. 3-1. and 3-1. They won the first three, then they lost to the Bills. Okay, then they lost. That's, that was, that's what they did. That's what the Patriots do. I mean, so it shouldn't be a shock or a surprise. You know, people said, I, I saw a bunch of predictions, 5-11. and 11. I mean, I was like, hey, man, if I'm a, I'm, I'm a Vegas guy, you know, I, I'm going to Sportsbook, and I, or a Superbook, excuse me, I'm going to Superbook right now, I'd have put all kinds of money. On them winning. they You said it, and I completely agree with you. They roll out of bed and win nine games just because they're the Patriots. That's what That's they are. They Plus, they have Miami in their division and the Jets in their division. That helps. That helps. That, that helps. does help. That so, helps. yeah. Cam Newton. Um, we'll see. Uh, before we go, before we crown Cam and I'm not gonna the crown them. Patriots, they go to Seattle this week. Let's see how it looks. Against that Seahawks hey, team that you just saw. Seahawks. Oh, how is uh, like, you start to you start to look at at Russell Wilson. Like this guy has not won an MVP. Do you know what he does? I said this on the broadcast, but this is for you know you can't watch every broadcast, right? Like, so let me just tell you, let me give you a breakdown. You're gonna find this fascinating, okay? So this is Russell Wilson's week, okay? He he tells me all the time. I've had I've I've done a bunch of Seahawks games over the last several years. So he says the only the only statistic that he's concerned about is wins. He goes, I want to go down as the greatest winner to ever play. That's what I'm concerned about. Us winning. And if that means I gotta throw it fifty times, I'll throw it fifty times. If it means if I have to hand it off fifty times, I'll hand it off fifty times. Whatever that looks like. So I said, um, Two things. I said, who are you studying? It's a big thing for him. He said he's studying the mannerisms at the line of scrimmage of Peyton Manning. He said he's he's studying the routes and route combinations and timing of Tom Brady and the footwork of Drew Brees. And so those are the things that he spent his offseason studying. So I said, well, what's what's your routine like? Because he had mentioned he's got this great routine, you know, and, and so the work takes care of itself. I said, so tell me what your routine is. He goes, well, I only sleep about five hours a night. So he goes, Sunday, after the game, I watched the game over twice. I just watched the game, and then I look at the game and grade myself, give me plus minuses, what I could do, what I could do better, what I could do, you know, what I did well, what I, you know, what could be better. So on Sunday, I get done with that. He goes, then on Monday, I start watching the film of the next opponent. I watch dogs. I watch 
blitzes. I watch red zone. I watch the cutups, third downs. I watch first downs. I watch, you know, what this team is. Then I, 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 you know, watch a bunch of different tape over the course of kind of a four four game breakdown, and I put together a scouting report. It goes by by Tuesday or when or Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon. I have watched all the film that I need to see. And then he puts together a 13 to 15 page scouting report. Who this defense coordinator is. He's doing all this. He does. This isn't being provided by a coach or anybody. He does 100% of it. A 13 to 15 page scouting report. Who the coordinator is, what his history is, where he came from, what he calls in certain situations, what coverages they run based on the position of the field based on are they in the red zone what do they run in the red zone what dogs he runs what blitzes he runs a 13 to 15 page typed report and he gets it to all his receivers all his offensive teammates by Tuesday afternoon or hand delivers it Wednesday morning that's that's the start of his week and then he says the rest of the week it's not so much I'll watch the film that we that we watch and stuff, but I've already done all the work. So then it's just perfecting what I've seen, understanding that, like assimilating that during the practice. And you know, it's it's fascinating. Then he says, I try to get about eight to nine hours of sleep on Fridays, and I'm I'm set to go for the rest of. The, I mean, well, he's he wins might be the most important stat, but you know what? All the other stats. When it's all said and done. Last year, he 31 TDs versus five interceptions. Stink. Stink. This is a guy who won't turn 32 until this November. Okay? So, this is an athletic guy who takes great care of him. This is a guy who's going to play until he's 40. Okay? He's only he's only going to be 32 this season. He's already got 231 touchdown passes to 68 interceptions in his career. Yeah. This guy's basically a 4-1 to one touchdown to interception guy for his career right now. So, wins might matter. To him, which is awesome, but when it's all said and done, this guy's numbers are going to be amazing as well. Yeah, it, it, there's no question. And that and that Seattle team, based on, I mean, Mike, they've got, I don't know what Jamal Adams is going to be long-term, you know, but if he plays the way he plays for the next five years, he's a Hall of Famer. Like, that's how good he is. Bobby Wagner's a Hall of Famer. You look at all three levels of their defense. Now, their defensive line's got some question marks on it from a pass-rushing ability standpoint. But K.J. Wright, big-time player at the linebacker position. Bobby Wagner, big-time player. Uh, Quandre Diggs is a big-time player. Uh, Jamal Adams is a freak show player. Like, they're pretty damn good. That NFC, the NFC West for with, with the 49ers, Arizona who beat the 49ers, right? With with that mighty mouse, I mean that guy, uh, Kyler Murray is all over the place. And the with Rams Seattle, just beat the Cowboys. And the Rams just beat the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean that division is loaded. The only t- they, hey, the only one that lost a game in that division is the uh, is the Niners, the former are uh, the defending NFC champions. All right, well you know what that means, right? You know what it's time for. It's time for question mark. Brought to you by the great folks at Sweet Sweat for a chance to win. A $75 gift bag from uh, my friends at Sweet Sweat. Great stuff over there. So, Mike, go ahead. Let's uh, let's start off. We got a bunch of questions. Came in on Twitter, at Mark Schlereth. So, hit me up. Yeah, let's do it. Um, okay. 
Uh, we'll start with you. Know, as you, no surprise, we got a lot of uh, Bronco fans that uh, that listen to the uh, podcast, and uh, this one comes in from Sw- uh, Swam. I love mm-hmm. <laughs> Swam. I love uh, Drew Locke didn't seem to control the game clock and missed a few important reads. Do you think this is going to be the guy? I don't you, listen. I don't know if I think I don't know if he's going to be the guy. I think he's got great potential to be the guy. I think he showed great playmaking ability. Now he missed a few throws. That's part of being young. He missed it through a, a couple of deep balls that were just like you missed them so poorly that he didn't give his receivers even a chance, and and that's disappointing. So one of the things Bruce Arians used to say this all the time, you know, no risk it, no biscuit. He'd say, hey, there are four things that can happen to you when you throw the ball deep. Three of them are good. An incompletion, that's okay. Pass interference, that's good. Catch, that's good. Interception, not good. Three of the four are great, right? I like my odds, 75%. Give your receiver a chance to catch the ball. He missed a couple of wide-open targets that were just really poorly throwing footballs, Mike. So that part, I think, will get better. Some of that is nerves, anxiousness, whatever. But it looked like they had great faith in him. They had great trust in him. And his playmaking ability to avoid pressures, to get on the edge, I thought that was great. Um, I was really encouraged by what Drew Locke showed on Monday night. This one's from uh, Bill at uh, Crown uh, CrownNet11. Mark, why do so many NFL head coaches have so much trouble managing the clock? Coaches with both offensive and defensive backgrounds can't seem to figure it out. We saw Vic Fangio really struggle with the clock management at the end of the Titans game. Andy Reid in the mm-hmm. past has had issues right. uh, with clock management. So is there is there something to it? Well, I think I mean I think sometimes when you're calling plays, you're so, you know, focused on what your play that you're gonna call is is that you know you're not necessarily kind of completely locked into the management of the clock. I you know, I think you got to go through these scenarios. I think you've got to understand kind of what you're trying to accomplish and where you are and and kind of the global perspective of the game. Um that said, you got to be better at it. What Vic Fangio did on Monday night gave his team no chance to win that game. I mean, it was it was you can't take timeouts with you. It was one of the it was one of the poorest performances when it comes to clock management that I've ever seen. And, you know, and there's no excuses for it. You ended up giving yourself 17 seconds in the fourth quarter with three timeouts. Hey, congratulations. And you had plenty of opportunity. I believe they complete. I believe the Tennessee Titans completed a pass at about a minute and 49 seconds. And um, by the time they went out of bounds, the clock was down to 31 seconds. And you still had three timeouts left. You wasted all. You let them eat up that whole clock, and they had three timeouts. So they were just they wanted the clock to go. They wanted it to be done. And then you come up with an excuse. Well, we didn't want to give you know that we didn't want to give them extra time. Your defense was gassed. What do you you don't want to give them extra time? I mean, I would like to give extra time to that kicker to let him think about how bad he's been. I mean, it was it was an abysmal management of the clock. And um, and there was no excuse for it. This one's from uh, Jason. Mark, are my Steelers back? I loved how Ben looked yesterday. Steelers are gonna be damn good. I don't think there's I don't think there's any question. They were a little rusty 
right off the start. And then, uh, you know, offensively, they started putting up points. They started putting up uh, drives. They started running the ball exceptionally well. Um, defensively is what, I mean, I'm telling you, you want to talk about swarming. You want to talk. Do you see the rushing totals for the Giants in that game? I mean, they just absolutely, that was that was just an ass whooping. Um, so, yeah, I think the Steelers are going to be tough. I mean, that division's also good with uh, the Ravens. You know the Ravens are going to be physical. How about that matchup? When the Ravens and the Steelers get it on, that is just going to oh, be a so bloody it's nose. the one rivalry left in football where the two teams generally hate each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? It is. You're I mean, right. There are other rivalries that we, you know, in fans and media build up. But in terms of teams that truly don't like yeah. each other, it's those two. Yeah, good old-fashioned hate. One more for you. Um, th- this one comes in from Stu, who uh, wants to know, how concerned are you with Philip Rivers after his first week's performance with the Colts? Listen, I am I concerned? Um, sure, I'm concerned because the one thing about Philip Rivers is Philip Rivers has never seen a ball that he can't fit in somewhere. And, you know, I go back to last year looking at a bunch of film of Philip Rivers doing a couple of games. Um, that was a guy that, you could see on film really wasn't interested in staring down the, as they say, staring down the gum barrel and taking, you know, a Rydell to the chest to deliver an accurate ball. I'm going to get it out early and um, hope for the best. And so that concerns me because I believe he had a turn. I I, I think he threw a pick late in that game. Um, it, that there's a concern. Is there. his arm shot? I mean, he's never had a. He's never had a great cannon. arm. No, it's it's. You know, it's it's that I can fit it in anywhere, and and there's a certain like there's a certain confidence. Well, let me just say this: there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance, and I think he's crossed it, and he's playing with some arrogance and um, and some. Hey, if I turn it over three times, that's just the way it goes. And you know what? As Mike Vrabel said, and it came out, it bared, it bared out uh, in Monday night's game. The turnover ratio is undefeated. And you know what? There was one turnover in that game. Melvin Gordon put it on the ground for the Broncos. Tennessee Titans picked it up. Ended up scoring on that drive. It was kind of a 14-point swing. Turn the whole momentum of the game around. Yep. yep, and so that's the way it goes. All right, who wins it? Uh, let's give it to uh, Bill, uh, who had the question about the head coaches uh, with clock management. I, I think that's interesting. With, with, you know, are you a football CEO that is that you're managing the game? Right. Or are you just the head coach who's, you know, taking care of your baby, which is the offense or the defense? Yeah. Can you do both? Yeah. It's, it's a good question. I think it is a good question. Bill, congratulations. We'll get you uh, – I will uh, – I will – Direct message you and get you a uh, swag bag from the uh, great folks over at Sweet Sweat. Check out Sweet Sweat at SweetSweat.com. Also, Superbook. Uh, thank you for sponsoring the program. For Mike, I am Mark. For Scott, we thank you so much. And we'll be back with you later in the week with our uh, moneymaker picks. By the way, uh, just a quick tease, I am whipping that ass. <laughs>